to the HOB Football Podcast, where we're here to talk anything and everything football. I'm Peyton Barnes. And I'm Patrick Vanningham. And today we'll be continuing our spring ball wrap-up with the SEC East, discussing the Everett Golson transfer situation, and looking at some of college football's impact freshmen for this season. Let's kick it off in the SEC East with the guys in Gainesville, the Florida Gators. Jim McElwain just wrapped up his first spring at Florida. The former Colorado State head coach and Alabama offense coordinator is looking to turn around the somewhat abysmal offense at Florida from last year. But the first question mark you got to answer is quarterback. And that spring, that's still really up in the air. You've got Trayon Harris and you got Will Greer. And neither one really separate each other out of, uh, away from each other in the competition over the spring. And so, you know, you, you got that question mark. Is Trayon Harris going to go with the athletic guy who got more playing experience last year? Or you got Will Greer, the more high, highly rated guy, the more pocket passer that registered last year? That's, that's one of the big questions. Yeah, I mean, I think you look, right now you'd have to say the favorite's Harris just because of experience having started six games last year. Um, passed for a little over 1,100 yards. Um, did have uh, did have nine inter- or ten interceptions, so some I have to cut back on. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously the big the big question mark here is quarterback. Who's going to be the guy to lead that offense? And and then you know we we know the potential Florida can have on offense. We've seen what they can do on offense. It's just about getting the guys in there and and getting the guys in the system to to really become a competitive team there in the East. And you gotta you gotta protect those guys. And one of the big themes in the spring was O line because they lose pretty much everyone from last year. They barely had enough numbers to to fill the unit. They couldn't go two teams. Just I think they had like six O linemen healthy to play in the spring. And uh, so you got a lot of newcomers coming in. And, and one we're definitely gonna get to later is Martez Ivy, the highly rated tackle uh, out of Apopka. And so they they're gonna have to have a brand new O line. And, and th- are those guys gonna gel? They're gonna help out the quarterback, or is it gonna be an issue for them in the future? Definitely. But uh, one thing they're gonna have to rely on for sure is Kelvin Taylor running back. You know Fred Taylor's kid, the 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 prodigy, I guess you could say. He's uh he, he's returning, and you know he'll be a big time player. But how much are they gonna be able to lean on him, and how much are they gonna get the offense from the quarterback and the O line? Definitely, and and you know, the SEC it's it's a trench league, it's a depth league, and and having to replace four starters on the offensive line there in Florida, you know, it's it's gonna be an uphill battle for them, and and you know they're just gonna have to find hopefully you know five guys that they're gonna be able to get by with this year to be able to build their depth for the next few years, uh, you know, be able to really build the trenches there in Gainesville. And you know Muschamp left quite a bit of talent on defense. That was never really their issue at Florida. You know, you got stars out there like Vernon Hargraves, who may be the best player in the SEC, period. He's, he's the lockdown corner probably in the whole country. And so you got defensive talent. You get to replace guys like Dante Fowler, but you bring in guys like C.C. Jefferson. And you, you know you're going to have talent on defense. It's just they're going to have enough offense to go with it to field a good team. That was the issue. But McElwain was brought in for that specific reason, which was to fix the offense. And so you look at their schedule, and they get home games against Tennessee, Ole Miss, and Florida State, and they're two probably the two toughest road games between Missouri and LSU. So it's not that bad of a schedule mm-hmm. when you look at it. Plus, you got of course Georgia and uh, in Jacksonville for the world largest cocktail party, and uh, yeah, they got them last year. So you know Georgia's gonna come back firing. But I think the way the schedule set up, I mean, you could you could see them get into a bowl game this year. They definitely got the the talent, and you think if McElwain turns around the offense enough, they could feel a decent unit. And I really think they're a team to look for in the future in the East. Yeah, schedule definitely works in their favor uh, a lot more this year than it does last year. And you know, they had that tough schedule last year, a lot of, a lot of road games, and that battled through a lot of adversity. But, uh, you know, you mentioned Vernon Hargraves, without a doubt, the best defensive back in the country, a guy who should be a top 10, top 15 pick in next year's draft. Um, the back seven shouldn't be a problem there in Gainesville. I think, you know, they're really just going to have to focus on building the depth of the front, of the front seven and, and uh, you know, especially replacing, you know, Dante Fowler to the NFL draft this year. So. A lot of talent there on defense, but still a lot of work to do 
uh, before the season you know gets going. And speaking of their uh, their their friends that like to play in, in Jacksonville, let's go on to the Georgia Bulldogs. Now that's another another theme in the SEC. It's another quarterback battle, and it's kind of come down to a two horse race like many of the others: Bryce Ramsey and Fatone Balta. And so a lot of big question there: who's who's it going to be? And uh, they look they look pretty good in the spring. Neither one really stood out as great, and so that's why you're kind of still those question marks going into the fall. But you know one thing they are going to have rely on that's that's chubby time. Oh, exactly. And uh, they got a big stable of backs with Keith Marshall and Sonny Michelle, but Nick Chubb's the they already got some preseason mm-hmm. Heisman. Heisman hype, so uh, you know they're going to be leaning on that. And then all their offensively wise, they've got uh, Malcolm Mitchell returning receiver, but they lose some other guys, uh, and Michael Bennett and then uh, and, and uh, Conley. So you know who else is going to step up? It's going to be guys like Reggie Davis, uh, or the tight end Jordan Davis. How are they going to step up on mm-hmm. offense? And so the big question is the quarterback battle, and that that's going to be the deciding factor of how that offense shows up this year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, new new offense coordinator Brian Schottenheimer came in from the St. Louis Rams. Um, Whoever the quarterback is, like you said, they're going to have a, a, a very good compliment in the backfield there with Nick Chubb. You know, he's going to be the guy to carry this team. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see who, you know, we know Nick Chubb's going to be the number one guy. Who's going to be the guy behind him that, you know, is able to come in as a compliment back and, and uh, you know, give him, give him good yards, you know, when, when Chubb is, you know, has to come out or anything like that. But, uh, you know, the quarterback battle, I think it's going to come down to who can pick up the system the fastest. You know, very similar pro style to what they ran last year. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how Schottenheimer does in his first year there. And uh, defensively, you're year two at Pruitt, and uh, he's very highly heralded amongst coaching ranks. Mm-hmm. And they might have come off to a, to a shaky start at some points last year defensively, but they lost a lot of guys to transfer and suspensions. But uh, they, at the end, they came up, they came out to be a pretty good unit. Uh, this year, they're losing a lot in the interior, interior both on the uh, D tackle and the inside linebacker front. Mm-hmm. And uh, but what you do have to look forward to is they got a lot of edge rusher guys, and you know that's what. Uh, Pruitt really emphasized those guys who can come off the edge. Guys like Leonard Floyd, Jordan Jenkins, and Lorenzo Carter. You got you got horses coming off the edge. And it's just who's gonna step up in the middle. That's when guys guys like Trent Thompson, newcomers that are impact players in the middle. That's what you got really got to worry about. But uh, is in the middle and how they gonna be able to defend the run uh, against some of the teams they play this year. And so when you look when you look at the defense, secondary had issues last year and they lose Damian Swan, but you know they had a lot of young guys. Are mm-hmm. they gonna step up and? And help out. You know they're going to get help from those edge rushers. So that's that's at least some of their downsides. They have compliments mm-hmm. too. And so you really want to see how they develop under Pruitt in their second year. Exactly. And you know Pruitt's a secondary guy. He, you know, he he's known for his secondary background. And, uh, a team that only allowed ten uh, ten SEC uh, touchdowns uh, through the air last year. So you know they know what what they're going to do on the back end. Again, like you said, it's about you know, solidifying the, the interior in the front. And uh, you know, replacing Damian Swan in the back, but you know, I think this is going to be a team that you know should be the favorite in the East. Uh, you know, maybe them in Tennessee, but uh, you know, I, I like what Georgia's going to be doing this year, and a lot of different places they can get their you know replacements up to up to par. And uh, let's look at the schedule. It's not not the easiest one out there. They got to play Bama and Auburn from the West. They get Bama at home, but uh, they got to go, they got to go on the road to Auburn. They get Missouri at home, which has been the, the two-time defending champ this past year. But they got to go. To at Tennessee play at Neyland in the the, the new the new kind of up and comer in the East the people that a lot of pe- a lot of people are, are high on including myself I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty high on Tennessee and they got to go on the road to Georgia Tech and and uh, a game they lost last year an upset overtime thriller so they got to go to Atlanta and see Paul Johnson and Just Thomas and the triple option offense so they'll you know they'll be going in revenge on their minds so it'll be interesting to see how they uh, finish the year out with that game exactly now moving on to Kentucky. 
you know, a team that last year was pretty interesting. They started off five and one. Um, very well could have been six and zero. They not dropped the triple overtime heartbreaker to to Florida. Ended up losing their last six games. Um, you know, in those losses, a couple mixed results. You know, they got blown out by LSU, Georgia, and uh, Tennessee. But you know, they played Mississippi State a, a close game there in in, uh, in Kentucky. A two touchdown game score was or game was close and the score showed. And then uh, you know, a, a ten point loss to Missouri uh, on the road. So. Team that'll be led by uh, sophomore quarterback Patrick Tolles, uh, threw for twenty seven hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns, also added three hundred on the ground. Um, they lost their offensive coordinator Neil Brown to uh, to Troy, be the head coach over at Troy, where he used to be the offensive coordinator. Um, Shannon Dawson now is the offensive coordinator, installing a, a similar spread system. So uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do on offense over there. Um, again, a, a team that you feel like they're they're gonna get there eventually. It just depends on how you know how much they can rely on. They're, they're younger guys and they're you know they're uh, impressive recruiting class coming in to, to carry them down the stretch. And uh, I really think that Kentucky's offense is, is going to go as far as, as tolls can take them. You know they're turning both of their O line, so they should be somewhat solid up front. But they don't really have a lot of impact players around on the perimeter. So really, it's, it's going to really ride on tolls and how he does. And you look at them defensively, they lose a lot of the pass rush and they lose Alvin Dupree and uh, Zadarius Smith, who are their their two edge rushers. And so. You really wonder, are they going to have kind of impact guys step up on that side of the ball? Uh, they've really been improving their, their recruiting over the last few years, and so those guys are really young and become a lot more seasoned talent. And so are those guys going to be able to be ready to go and be able to compete in the level of the, the competition around them? Because if they do, then they're really going to step up as a program. I think that's really going to be key to the future. How are those young, young talented guys that brought in, how, how do they develop? Um, and, again, look, looking at Kentucky's schedule, I mean, you know, they – they they start out they got a pretty tough schedule they got to go you know they got Florida and Missouri uh, in the first four games um, they end the, right up the season their last three games against Vanderbilt uh, a, a, a sub you know not a very impressive team in Charlotte the Charlotte Forty ers and then uh, against Louisville that'll be a big game at the end of the year and a big rivalry so they have a chance to uh, potentially go three and zero if they can get it you know get it going go three and zero to end the year it's just going to be the the meat of the schedule right there in the middle that. You know they're gonna have to go. Uh, you know Auburn at home. They got to go to Starksville and play Mississippi State, and they got to come home against Tennessee. So three very tough opponents there. It's gonna be another another interesting year for Kentucky. You know it's it's gonna be. I, th- I think we're gonna see a team that is gonna be improved. But again, I don't know if they're just quite ready to get over the hump just yet. Yeah, you see a lot of solid to good teams on the schedule, and they get and they get a lot of them at home with Florida, Missouri, Auburn, mm-hmm. Tennessee, Louisville, all at home with just road games at South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Georgia. But that's still, you know, not an easy schedule just because mm-hmm. the number of teams they play, they're solid teams. And so uh, one of the teams that they're going to face is the back-to-back East Chance Missouri, and we're going to get into them next. Uh, the team that seems like every year they get overlooked and they just keep on winning and finding a way to, to, to make it to Atlanta. And so, you know, Gary Pingle's got a good program over there, and they keep getting overlooked, and this might be another year they get overlooked because not a, lot, a whole lot of hype around this year. They got Matty Mock turned quarterback, but uh, they lose a lot of skill players around them. Mm-hmm. A lot of those veteran receivers have been kind of carrying the love for them the past few years are gone. And uh, they lose Mitch Morse, the left tackle on the O-line. But the rest of them should be back, so it should be a somewhat veteran offensive line. But, uh, you know, it's kind of similar to Kentucky. Their, their offense doesn't go as far as their quarterback leads them, so it's really really be interesting to see how Matty Mock does in his third year. Exactly. And, you know, outside of 2012, under Gary Pinkle, Missouri is always going to be competitive. You know, they're always going to be a team that you know you can't overlook them. On a lot of like a lot of teams in the SC, you can't you can't just overlook them. Can't take it as a you know an easy gimme game. Um, you know, they they have a, a a pretty decent team coming back. I mean, I think the question marks again are going to be on defense. 
new defensive coordinator. They do have six guys coming back. Um, but, you know, again, it's just going to be about, um, you know, it, being able to finish down the stretch. And, and um, you know, I, I, I like where Missouri can be. I think they're going to be another dark horse in the East like they always are. Um, it's going to be tough for them to pull off the back-to-back-to-back the uh, division champs. But, um, you know, it's, it's certainly something if we look back at the end of the year, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see them, you know, in there as, as a dark horse SEC East uh, champion. And, uh, and a big uh, talking point last year in the offseason was how they're going to place Michael Sam Coneely. But everyone kind of knew that they had Shane Ray and Marcus Golden kind of come in the wings. They were going to step up and fill those roles. But this year, you don't really have those guys. You look at say, oh, those are the guys that are going to step up. They're the ones that are next in line. Mm-hmm. And so you really wonder, you know, are they going to have guys step up? They're going to bring in a, a highly recruited guy like Terry Beckner, who's a five-star. But is he a DN, D-tackle? Probably going to be a three-tech, grow into a three-tech because he's, he's gotten big already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, most of the strengths would be in the middle of their defense. And so you really, you know, you got, you got question marks on the on the perimeter, on the on the uh, on the edges, and so I think that'll be their question mark defensively is how they step up and how how does Barry Odom, the the new DC adjust after coming from Memphis? Mm-hmm. I think those will be some question marks to answer. Look at their schedule; they get a, a pretty good home slate with Florida, Mississippi State, BYU in a, in a late out of conference game, uh, and Tennessee at home at the end, and they get road games at Georgia and Arkansas, which are definitely two two tough great road games to to haul, and so. It's really interesting to see how they finish out the year. I'm not quite sure they're gonna they're gonna three peat this year just because they got they got some question marks that there's not really a sh- for sure answers for. But you know they're gonna be a good team with Gary Pinkle. And and you you look at their schedule like you're talking about. One interesting I just noticed. You look at you you look down. No Alabama on the schedule. No Auburn on the schedule. No LSU on the schedule. They got to go play Arkansas at the last the last week of the year, which uh, you know could be a pretty tough matchup there uh, in in Fayetteville. But, uh, you know, I think the schedule definitely sets up for them. They get Florida at home. Um, they got to go to Georgia again, which, you know, that'll always be a tough one. But, um, you know, this could be a team that, you know, they could get 10 wins. Um, they could get 10 wins and, and have themselves, you know, right, right in the square, uh, you know, right in the race there for the SEC's title. And uh, a little correction from earlier, BYU, they're actually playing at Arrowhead Stadium at, uh, at uh, Kansas City. And so... I mean, it's kind of it's probably a more home game for them just because it's closer in uh, distance, but they will have to develop to travel for that game. Um, and now let's move on to South Carolina and, and uh, the head ball coaches team over there in Columbia. Now this year they uh, got replaced another quarterback. Last year you already had the the the, uh, the guy waiting in line uh, and Dylan, and Dylan Thompson, but this year it's still kind of a question. Is Connor Mitch probably the the lead guy to spring? But they got true fresh come in that could that could push for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, they lose Mike Davis, but they got a uh, they got Wild stepping in to probably be the new guy. Is he going to be as effective as Davis was? Uh, he looks the part, but can he can he be as effective? Mm-hmm. Ferry Cooper definitely leads receiver core. A lot of people consider him probably one of the top three receivers in the SEC coming back. Definitely. And so he'll be a guy they probably have to lean on. But offensive line wise, they lose pretty much the left side and Robinson and Can both to the NFL draft. And so you got to do a little bit of rebuilding over there in that left side to protect new quarterback, but. Really, the biggest question mark is quarterback. Who's going to step up and lead that offense? Because at times last year they were really good, and at times they were stagnant. So mm-hmm. it's really going to depend on the quarterback play. Yeah, and again, South Carolina team that struggled, you know, quite a bit last year. Um, you talked about the offensive line, and, and we touched on losing Can last week. A guy who had fifty-one or fifty-three starts in his career there. Um, <clears throat> a lot of question marks on this team. Um, you know, like like you were saying, especially in the offensive line, especially quarterback, and then the defense. You know, no doubt giving up thirty point four points per game. They bring on John Hook, the new. Uh, co-defensive coordinator, you know this is a team that it, they're gonna they they got a big uphill battle this year, especially playing in that in that tough SEC East. 
Um, you know, they got road games at Georgia, at Missouri, at A&M, and at Tennessee, four very tough venues. So, um, you know, I, I think this will be a year that, you know, South Carolina is going to be up and down again, and I, I, you know, I, I can't really guarantee they're going to get their nine or ten wins this year. Yeah, I, I'm looking at it, and I see a, a really tough schedule for them. I'm not I, – I honestly think they're in danger of not making a bowl game this year. They got a really it, it tough – It could be either way, definitely. They, they really got a tough out-of-conference schedule because they got North Carolina – They've got Clemson. They've got Central Florida. I mean, and then plus in the crossover games, they get LSU and A and M. And so, not only is the SC slate gonna be the, the normal, the normal slate, but they get a lot of other games outside of their division that'll be really tough. And you look at how bad their defense struggled at times last year, and you got you got to wonder how much is John Hope gonna really make a difference on on the defense. I think Sky Moore is a really underrated linebacker for them, and if their defense was better, he'd probably get a lot more hype because I think he's a good player, mm-hmm. but. With with questions on offense and then there's still questions on defense and the schedule they got, it's gonna. I I think that South Carolina's in for a rough year. It could be. Definitely. I think there probably gonna be a lot of pressure on Spurrier. Is he gonna really gonna stick around and and be be around this much more? Mm-hmm. How how much longer is he gonna be around? Yeah. And so the really tough year. This you know, this might be head ball coach's last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, definitely he's a guy that's. <clears throat> Been in the SEC for a long time, and, and you know you, you wonder when he's going to decide to to hang up the whistle. Especially after the last few years, you know, been been pretty rough years with you know last year the struggles they had, and and, and just looking forward, what what they have to deal with on their on their team and on their roster and the schedule. Just it looks like a, a rough year for the Gamecocks this year. Now let's move on to my pick for the SEC East. Butch Jones is Tennessee Volunteers. Now it's their third year. They've got the man, Josh Dobbs, turned to quarterback. I like I like Josh Dobbs a lot. I think he's a pretty good playmaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year they broke in a whole new offensive line, but now those guys have got a, a season on the belts and a lot more veteran. They're loaded at receiver, tons of weapons out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you look at running back, they got Jalen Hurd coming back for second year, and they add in Alvin Kamara, and so the uh, f- the former Bama running back. And so you get that duo going on offense, and you got a, an offense that's going to be able to move the ball and move the chain and score some touchdowns. So I really like what they got going on offensively. Yeah, I, I think the, the the pick for a lot of people this year, Tennessee, and you look at what they did last year. They, they dropped a heartbreak against Georgia. They dropped a really close one against Florida. Um, and they played Alabama, you know, a lot closer than a lot of people expected. This is a team that, you know, they, they finished 7-5, 7-6. They could have hit 10 wins if the ball had bounced their way a couple times. I mean, you know, it was it may, maybe not – 10 wins, you know, guaranteed, but, you know, you look, they lost to Georgia by three, lost to Florida by one, they lost to Alabama by 14, so, uh, and, and then Missouri by eight, so, played a lot of teams close, again, a team similar to Kentucky that it looks like they're just getting ready to get over the hump, and, and I think they will this year, um, you talked about Josh Jobs, a quarterback, um, you know, I really like what, what Tennessee's looking at this year. Yeah, you, you can really tell they're really on the brink just because how many close games they played last year, and they had a really young team last year, so you get those guys a year into the belt. I mean that, that this could be a very dangerous team. Yeah. And uh, you look at their schedule. Oh well, first on let's, let's hit on the defense a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you got to give a give a shout out to Derek Barnett. He, he as a freshman he was a very good defensive end. A lot of people argued back and forth between him and Miles Garrett. Who's better? But I think you know they're both studs. I mean you really can't argue one way or the other. They're mm-hmm. both really good. They're gonna be great guys uh, going down the line. They add in D tackles like. Uh, Khalil McKenzie and uh, and Shy Tuttle and and, they, and you're looking at a, a continually improving defense. It's going to be pretty salty going forward. Mm-hmm. Now let's sit on the schedule, and uh, you get you get OU at home in a big non-conference game. I think I think they I think personally they get revenge this year mm-hmm. after losing Oklahoma last year. And again, those close on the score indicated. I think they they, they handle Oklahoma this year, and that's going to probably give them a lot of hype. 
And then they also get Arkansas and Georgia at home. And I think that Georgia at home is going to be really key because I think that game probably decides the East. And the fact they got them in Neyland for probably be a big a big primetime game, I think Tennessee gets it done and, and gets the East in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you look at the road games, they got to go at Florida, at Missouri, and then, of course, at Alabama in the, uh, in the, yearly, the yearly game over there. And so I think seeing Georgia get Bama also in the, in the uh, cross-division games is really going to even the play for a little bit for when it comes to conference reckoning. So that's why I think that since they have a pretty equal schedule between the two of them, Tennessee-Georgia – becomes the game that defines the East. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you look at the schedule of the first six games, you know, they, they have five of their first six games at home, um, the only one being Florida. If they can get, you know, even, you know five and one, six and oh, going into that game against Alabama, man, this is a team that really could do some damage. And, and you know, we talked about, you know, Alabama obviously being the favorite. You could look at, at Tennessee being five, five and one, six and oh, going to that, that big matchup on October 24th in, in Bryant-Denny. So um, really going to be an interesting game, an interesting first six games for them if they can – you know, really buckle down and, and get some momentum. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun second half. You know, fun team to watch the second half of the year when they gotta play a few more of these road games. And a, and a big thing about that uh, Tennessee Bama game is they get a bye week before Bama, and that's that's off of Bama playing on the road at A and M, who just came off a bye week. And before that, Bama had to play Arkansas. Before that, Bama had to play Georgia. And so they're getting Bama on the end of a of a four week. Uh, really tough schedule, and Tennessee's coming off a bye week, so that could be another big factor, and they could be rolling at that point in the year. And, and you know, again, a lot of, like a theme we talked about with a couple of the other teams, really how quickly they can get their new guys up to speed. You know, we know what Butch Jones is doing in recruiting. Um, a team that, you know, they have a lot of young talent, and, and it's, it's going to be exciting to see how these young guys develop because, you know, like I said, Butch Jones pulling in, uh, you know, quite a few top ten classes in the first few, few years he's been there. Um, this is a team that they have a lot of young talent, and, and in a couple of years they could be a mainstay at the top of the SEC East. Now let's uh, let's stay in the state of Tennessee and hit on our last stop in SEC East. That would be Vanderbilt in year two under Derek Mason. Uh, it, it, it's, it's safe. <laughs> Where to do say, we start? Where do you safe, want to start? <laughs> it's safe to say that they struggled last year. Uh, losing James Franklin to Penn State was was a pretty big blow of the program, and Derek Mason's kind of having to. Take things over on his own. I, I think he's actually taking over the, his own defensive coordinator role mm-hmm. as the foreign defense coordinator at Stanford. And so, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they improve some on defense. Um, but another big question is they, they were a carousel at, uh, quarterback last year, but with uh, Patton Robinette retiring from football, uh, you, you think Johnny McCurry is probably going to be the guy at quarterback. You know, he's, he's an athletic kid, can make plays, but, you know, he's going to have to carry that offense. And so it's really, it's really going to be curious to see – you know, what offensively they can get going this year. And mm-hmm. defensively, you look at uh, they got Caleb Azubike. I, th- I think it's how it's pronounced. Sorry mm-hmm. if it's not. Um, you know, he'll be the leader on defense. Lots of young guys from last year that played. And so, you know, how how, how much can Derek Mason develop the defense? Because you know Derek Mason can coach defense. You know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just how much you know, it's how much they can improve from last year because um, they really struggled last year. I, I don't think it's many times that you look at a team and, and see that they have you know, 17, 18 returning starters and, and still say that they have a, a major uphill battle. Yeah. You know, just, it, they, they, you're right, they struggled. I mean, they started off the year with a tough loss. Um, you know, Temple, 3-9, 0-8 uh, oh in the SEC, didn't win a single SEC, you know, SEC game. Uh, I, I do think Derek Mason calling plays on defense is going to help now. Again, we know what he did at Stanford, a very – you know, tough, hard-nosed team. It's you know they're going to focus on stopping the run and and make they you know make you beat them over the top. You know in the passing game, but um, you know have two new coordinators. If you, if you want to count Derek Mason as a new coordinator, uh, you know they bring in uh, Andy Ludwig as a as a new uh, offensive coordinator for a team that only averaged about 13 points a game. Again, I I I just I don't see Vanderbilt as you know this year or really next year is the year that they you know become a legit contender. They're still I think a few years out, but um, you know. I, 
Derek Mason, he's going to have him going over there. You know, he, he wants to install that smash mouth football kind of style, and, and you know, um, I think they just need time over there. Yeah, and the schedule's not getting any easier from year to year. It's it's more sense late it has mm-hmm. been. Uh, you know Derek Mason knows how to work at a program that's uh, a highly rated academic institution from his experience at Stanford. And, you know, there's still some leftover from James Franklin there. So he's got a blueprint. And, you know, I think he, I think he has the opportunity and definitely the chance to, to make an improvement with that program. But, yeah, I wonder, you know, how fast can it get done? How patient mm-hmm. is the, the program going to be? But, you know, it, it, to, to be frankly honest, uh, it, it's definitely an uphill battle there mm-hmm. at Vanderbilt. Definitely. And another interesting topic of conversation in the SEC East is the potential addition of four, now former Notre Dame quarterback Everett Golson. Now, one of the issues coming up with him transferring the SEC would be the transfer rule that he has to get a waiver from, from Mike Slav himself, which is the rule that any player uh, with academic disciplinary action would be banned from transferring the SEC. So he'd have to file a waiver. And from what a lot of people are saying, he may not get the waiver if he did so. But anyways, let's look at some of the possible destinations you'd be looking at and the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Now, since we're in the SC, let's look at uh, some of the rumor candidates would be Georgia, South Carolina. Now, Georgia, I don't really see that being a, a great spot for him just because you already got two guys that battled out the spring that had been there. I'm not really sure he steps in right away. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, he'd be going back home because he's from Myrtle Beach, um, and they definitely have a very wide-open spot there. So he, he would be a good fit there. But, you know, once again, he's got to get past the waiver, and still there's no – there's no uh, confirmation that South Carolina is interested on that side. Mm-hmm. I think Florida could be a good fit just because they're pretty wide open. But once again, you know, nothing really uh, go- coming from that side news-wise. Um, and really the favorite has been their in-state rival, Florida State. And mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher even said, quote-unquote, they were in negotiations with Everett Golson, which is quite interesting uh, choice of words by Jimbo. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's interesting, uh, the whole Everett Golson case. You know, his freshman year he comes in and, you know, it leads Notre Dame to the, the national championship game to like you know saw Nick Saban's team. Uh, the next year, you know, he's suspended because of academic issues. Last year, he really struggled. Especially there's there's a three game stretch where he threw seven you know seven interceptions in three games. So you know, really he you hate to say he's downward trending right now, but you know just just uh, looking at you know his his story lately and, and losing starting down, starting quarterback job to Malik Zaire last year. Um, you know. A guy that's just uh, struggled quite a bit with turnovers. You know, uh, uh, twenty interceptions, twelve fumbles in twenty-five games. And he's got to learn to hold on to the ball. And, and uh, you know, if he does end up going to the SEC anywhere in the SEC, um, you know, it's it's that's another that definitely has to be uh, you know cut down on going against these great defenses every week that are out to get the ball from you. And uh, one thing I think is interesting is a place that he probably would, I, I think personally, he probably would be at if they weren't on Notre Dame's schedule to start the year is Texas. Cause, you mm-hmm. know, they need a guy. And, Absolutely. And, 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 and he could be a guy that uh, Sean Watson could work with, uh, you know, mm-hmm. try to get into their own Teddy Bridgewater, I guess exactly. you could say. Um, and they definitely need help at quarterback. But, you know, since they played Notre Dame and started the year in South Bend, you know, it's not an option for Everett Golson. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you look at SC, uh, the waiver rules that he's got to deal with, and you look at the teams on Notre Dame's schedule we can't go to, it's really narrowed it down that it seems like Florida State's really the only option. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what Jimbo said about, you know, being in negotiations with them, it really seems like, Florida State's really going to be the uh, mm-hmm. the place it's going to be, and and let's and let's talk about what it would be like if he went there. Uh, they're losing James Winston, you know. Sean McGuire's probably the favorite right now, but I mean, you look what he did in Clemson. Yeah, they won the game, but I mean, he just kind of managed the game a mm-hmm. little bit, and uh, maybe that's what they need because they got a lot of talent and, and a guy who can just facilitate and just get the ball to playmakers. And may, maybe they don't necessarily need a, a a playmaker, but a risk taker. 
like Everett Golson. It was kind of like what Jameis did for them. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's times that got him in trouble. And I'm not sure Everett Golson's quite the talent that mm-hmm. Jameis Winston is. And uh, and so it'll be interesting to see if he does go to Florida State, how he fits there. Does he does he get the job right away? Does he does he lose to Josh McGuire? It's really interesting a case of where he ends mm-hmm. up and what he ends up doing for this year. Definitely, if you know that'll create a really interesting situation over there in in, uh, in Tallahassee if he does go over there. Really, a, a good situation for Jimbo Fisher being if you know if he is able to land uh, Everett Golson with with two guys that you know I, I think he feels pretty comfortable rolling out there the quarterback. One guy who's been there, you know, obviously for a long time, you know, for a, you know a little while, learning under James Winston and, and a guy that uh, and a guy Everett Golson who has led you know Notre Dame to the national championship. So. Uh, Kind of situation where you know you replace one guy with the other, but uh, um, you know I I think Florida State, you know, if if they do end up pulling in Ever Golson, you know, they they that would definitely help them, uh, you know, in their ACC pursuit. And uh, so de- I think you can definitely say Ever Golson, no matter where he goes, will probably have a, a a pretty good impact. And uh, speaking of impact guys this year, let's let's hit on the top ten impact freshman list for this year that we've got. Uh, let's start off with some of the guys that just missed the cut for the list. Uh, let's look at Kevin Tolliver. He's a, a highly rated DB uh, out of Florida, going to LSU, and I think he's probably one of the top corners out of the, out of the nation this year. But the big question is, can he start right away at uh, the self-proclaimed DBU, a team that cranks out DBs and they're, and they're still loaded DB. They lose Jalen Collins, but they still got a lot of talent coming back. Um, so I, I think he's gonna be a great player, especially in a couple of years. But can he be an impact guy right away? Still to be determined. Uh, similar case, Amon Marshall, the corner, going to USC. Mm-hmm. They still got a lot of talent coming back, and so I think he's really good. But can he come come in and start right away to make that impact? Uh, Terry Begner, a guy we talked about earlier, uh, going to Missouri, highly rated guy out of Illinois. Uh, he's kind of a tweener between D and D tackle, could end up being a three tech. I think he's up to probably two ninety five right now, and so he, he'll probably get slid inside. But that's really where Missouri's veterans are, and so he's going to try to beat those guys out. Um, Another, another D-lineman, Kenton Kamatule from Hawaii going to Oregon. Uh, he, he could be a natural fit sliding right into where Eric almost had left off, mm-hmm. both tall, big-body guys uh, fitting that 3-4 defense. Mm-hmm. And so that could be a place he slides in. It's just he's going to have to make an adjustment from playing Hawaii balls at the Pac-12. And, and a really big kid, too, six seven, almost 300 pounds. Yeah, big um, kid. Could be a good replacement over there, like you said, for, uh, for Eric Armstead. And then uh, the last guy just missed the list, Rasheem Greens, a D-lineman from USC. Uh, they got an open spot, obviously, from Leonard Williams leaving. Um, is Kenny Slider right in there making an impact? Uh, they definitely need some, some pass rush from uh, from that standpoint. Uh, is he, is he going to get big enough if he slides slide in the D-tackle? Another big question mark. Um, but I think he's definitely going to be a good player. Now let's get into the uh, our top ten list. Let's start off with number ten, our uh, our own native son, Dalen Mack, uh, Gladewater, Texas. Uh, D-tackle, he's already up to supposedly 330 pounds. Uh, pushing friggin' SUVs down the road during the off season because mm-hmm. you know Dalen Mack uh, dominated the Under Armour Under, Armour, Under Armour All American game, won the MVP award. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he definitely fits in with uh, what Chase likes to do, which is guys that can can get in the backfield and be explosive. Because he's definitely a, a one gap kind of penetrator guy. Mm-hmm. He's not really going to be a, 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 a tree stump in the middle mm-hmm. playing taking on double teams. He's going to be guys in the be disruptive, get in the backfield. And I think it's really going to fit him in well. Exactly, and like you said, in Chavis' system, a one gap kind of guy. Just you know, he's got one assignment. Um, really dominated the, that unnormal All American game, the, the defensive MVP of that game, and and uh, you know. A lot of a lot of very uh, impressive qualities in him. You know, our our, 
our buddy Jordan always talked about, you know, his impressive first step, you know, just a real explosive first step. Does tend to get up upfield some, you know, a little too far upfield sometimes, but I think, you know, Chavis' uh, system is going to be something that could actually play to his advantage. Just let him be aggressive, let him go get the, the ball carrying. Yeah, in the and even though he abused LSU signing Toby Weathersby in the, in the Under Armour American game, he's not going to be blowing by O-linemen mm-hmm. quite as much in college as he was exactly. in high school. So I don't think I have to worry about as much about him getting upfield too much, but he's definitely a guy that you know is going to be disruptive. And put him at three technique right next to to Miles Garrett or Deshaun Hall, and I mean, I, I'm an O lineman. As a former O lineman, I would be a little worried. That's a whole lot of uh, athleticism coming downhill at you. Exactly. And so that's something you gotta you gotta worry about. Uh, another D lineman. Let's look at CC Jefferson uh, going to Florida. He's an he's an edge rusher guy, uh, and and that's something they're probably needing. Losing Dante Fowler Jr. Uh, he's probably be a guy a lot of people say is be a D one uh, a day one starter. Um, and, and he's just a, a guy that can really help that, that defense under Jim mm-hmm. McElwain because you know they're going to gonna need that side to continue uh, after losing Muschamp. So having talented guys like C.C. Jefferson is really going to help them out a lot. Exactly. And a guy, you know, 6'2", six, 6'3", six, six, you know, touching 275, just a, a very – almost your, your, you know, your prototypical size for your, for your strong side defensive end and, you know, yeah. and a guy that's you know, definitely going to be adding quite a bit of bulk you know, once he gets into school there. Uh, let's go on to number eight, uh, another A&M native son, Christian Kirk, the five-star receiver out of Arizona. Uh, he's already came in early enrollee. He's already pretty much locked up, locked up a starting starting job on the on the slot receiver side. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also competing for some play time uh, at return game with with Speedy Knoll, who's another five-star receiver for A&M. Seems like a common mm-hmm. theme over there these days. Uh, you know, he's a guy that he is a great route runner coming out of high school. He's he's a slot guy, but he's really bulked up. He's really he's really bulky. He's kind of built like a running back, and he could probably play running back if mm-hmm. he really wanted to. I think some calls even recruit him there. Uh, and he, he's a guy that's good with the ball in his hands. He, he's a great route runner, and you know he's gonna he's gonna make an instant impact. Just he's so college game ready, and he, mm-hmm. and, he, and with Kyle Allen maybe being the project starter starter for A and M, and he's already got a good connection with him from playing seven on seven with each other back in Arizona. And even uh, if Kyle Murray comes in, they're already they're kind of best friends exactly. already. They're, they're, I think they might even be rooming together. Exactly. You know, you know, like you said, ain't him hitting the Arizona pipeline. I think you know if there's one word to describe this Christian Kirk kid, it's it's explosive. He, you know, he's a firecracker. It's a guy that anytime he touches the ball, he can score. You know, a guy that scored from six different positions on the field this year, uh, or his senior year of high school. So, um, you know, adding to that explosive A&M offense, you know, he's gonna be a great slot guy and, and a guy that you know whoever's gonna be end up playing quarterback for A&M, a guy that they're really gonna appreciate and rely on quite a bit. Uh, let's move on to number seven. Going to Derwin James, a safety at Florida State. Uh, he's a guy's early enrollee. He, he got a lot of a lot of praise, a lot of hype during the spring. He was a very uh, impactful guy, and the guy looked ready to go from day one. Uh, Florida State lost a lot of guys in the NFL, and so when you're looking, they're looking for young guys to come step up on defense. And Derwin James seems to be like a guy that he's gonna be ready to go uh, right from the start, and he and he could be a day one starter. And I think uh, he, he's probably live up to his five star billing. He's a, he's a very uh, athletic safety can can make plays downhill, make plays in the pass game. Mm-hmm. Just a very well-rounded, all-around, pretty good safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six on the list is Malik Jefferson, the linebacker for Texas. Uh, he's an early enrollee, and they lose a lot of a lot of guys on defense, especially linebackers. So they're really going to be leaning on to be good. And he's he's kind of been the bell cow for their class. That everyone's saying, hey, this is the guy that's going to lead us on defense. This is the guy mm-hmm. we're going to rely on. And they're going to need it because they lose a lot on defense, and you know they've got questions on offense. So they, not only does he need to be an impact guy, they, they have to have him as an impact guy. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't, then they're really going to be losing uh, a lot of impactful players on defense. So you look at the spring game, made some plays, forced a fumble, uh, flew around a little bit. 
Uh, the big question, I think, is where is he going to play in the fall? Because he bounced back and forth between the Fox position, which is their edge rusher, linebacker, and middle linebacker, which is where he's kind of new to because he was a, he's an edge guy in high school. So I think really the amount of impact he plays is where where does he play at? You know, mm-hmm. does Salt, Dalton Sanders come back healthy and take down, down the mic position? They have to slide down the Fox to, to be the edge rusher, or they got to say, hey, you're going to be our middle linebacker future, so lead us on this defense. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely big expectations for Malik Jefferson coming in. A guy a lot of Texas fans are excited about. Uh, you know, the number one linebacker in the state, and, and arguably, you know, up there with Dalen Mack is you know the best best defensive player in the state. Um, big expectations, and I think Texas fans are going to expect a lot from. And uh, you know, it's playing that Charlie Strong defense. You know, it's it's going to be it's going to be exciting to see uh, Malik Jefferson flying around. All right, now to the top five. Number five, Khalil McKenzie, the D tackle, uh, going to Tennessee. Big body, very explosive. Uh, he's the son of Reggie McKenzie, the current uh, Oakland Raiders general manager. Uh, he's he's definitely going to be a big help on the Tennessee defense that continues to improve and 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 keep adding impact players. Uh, fellow freshman Charlotte Tuttle is already there and doing some work, but Reggie uh, Khalil McKenzie is the guy that everyone's kind of circling, saying, "Hey, this is this is the the guy of the future. The guy's going to be a star." Uh, the big question to him is his last year he transferred in high school and uh, was ruled ineligible for his senior year, and so. All big question mark is how how well is he be able to get back into the game? Now he did he showed pretty well at the Army All American game, uh, showed a lot of promise there. So there might be no drop off. He might be ready to go and be an instant impact guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely got the body for it, and he's definitely got the athleticism for it. And so it'll be really interesting to see how fast he, he gets into that transition phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, Josh Rosen, the n- number one ranked pro style quarterback, coming out of high school, going to UCLA early enrollee. Uh, already in, entrenched into a, a position battle with Jerry Neuheisel, Rick Neuheisel's son. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people say he's probably the odds-on favorite to be the guy there at UCLA. And he, he's, he's a big kid, and here he weighs, I think, like 230 pounds. Wow. He, he's a big, strong body. He looks like an NFL quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. He's got the arm. He's got accuracy. He's got all the tools you want. And uh, you really wonder uh, is there, how much drop-offs are going to be from Brett Hunley to, to a true freshman but he, he's definitely a guy that's ready to, to come in and, and make an impact day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Trent Thompson, the what many consider was the number one D tackle in the nation, uh, going to Georgia. And Georgia loses quite a, got a lot of guys in the middle, both uh, D tackle and inside linebacker. So they really need a guy like Trent Thompson, uh, who's a big body explosive guy, to, to come in and, and make a difference day one. And he was a guy that didn't go a whole lot of camps or anything like that to get a lot of hype. He just is just pure, just him showing up and on game days and making plays. Mm-hmm. That garnered his ranking, and so you know he's gonna be a guy that that's a gamer. That's in a uh, he's not based off a of hype off camps or combines. He's just a guy that goes in and plays football, and so that's that's the guy that George really gonna need to step up on defense. Yeah, and, and we talked about a little earlier year two under Pruitt. Uh, you know, we, we know what they're gonna do in the in the secondary, it, it, and uh, you know, like we touched on, it's just gonna be about you know really getting quality play out of the guys out of the interior there, and you know, a guy like Thompson, will, you know, have a chance to come in and play early in, in that Georgia defense. So. Uh, you know, could, could be a guy that, uh, you know, we see for quite a long time there in Athens. All right, to the top two. Number two, Byron Cowart, the DN going to Auburn. A late a late battle, uh, won by Muschamp over his former school, Florida, to come in and get edge rusher. And you look at Auburn last year, they had Carl Lawson out the whole year, and that really killed their pass rush. I mean, they were one of the worst teams when it comes to sacks in the nation. I think they had two guys tied for leading sacks, like three and a half, and one was a linebacker. Mm-hmm. And so they really need a, a, some juice added in the, in the pass rush. So getting Carl Lawson back and adding a guy like Byron Cowart is really going to help. And uh, he's a guy that blew up at the, at the uh, Under Armour All-American game, 
Uh, a lot of people consider him the number one DN in the nation. Uh, since his five star, I think another one of the services had a number one in the nation overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that's definitely got a, an edge to him. I, I'm sure some of y'all have heard the the Chucky doll story. He keeps a Chucky doll in his locker that he says talks to him and uh, tells him to to attack the quarterback and and do some uh, evil things. I presume. Yeah. And so definitely a guy that kind of plays an edge and, and a guy that's extremely talented. Yeah. And- Interesting situation there with the Chucky doll deal, but uh, you know, you know, we we, told, we talked about last week the the struggles Auburn had on defense, especially in the in the secondary and and uh, and you know defending the pass and getting a guy like Coward is, is definitely going to help that uh, that pass rush and, and get some more pressure on uh, you know the SC quarterbacks. You know, a guy that you know he wouldn't he probably will be a day one starter guy that could just stick in there and, and plug from day one. So uh, you know. Definitely, uh, definitely much needed help there for for the Tigers defense. And our number one impact freshman, we kind of hinted at a little earlier today, Martez Ivy, the number one offense tackle, consensus number one offense tackle coming out of high school this year. Uh, I think twenty four seven had him number one player overall coming out of high school this year. Uh, Florida, they needed a lot of help on O line, just totally rehauling pretty much the entire offensive mm-hmm. line. Uh, definitely had some troubles in the spring. So this guy's gonna come in during the summer. And he was probably a pretty safe bet to come in and start left tackle day one. He's exactly. he's that good, and they need that much help. A team, so. a team that lost four four starters from last year, and, and they're you know razor thin at the offensive line. You know he he's definitely going to be like, if there's anybody on this list who you know is guaranteed to step in and, and play from day one. You know, obviously barring unfor- it's something unforeseen. Uh, you know, Martez Ivy is going to be uh, you know an, an anchor an anchor there on that offensive line. Yeah, when you combine the need Florida has and the ability that he has, it pretty much makes him a no brainer in my opinion the number one impact freshman for this year. Mm-hmm. That's all we have for today. Be sure to tune in next week as we move our spring ball wrap-up tour to the loaded Patch World South and more off-season talk. I'm Clayton Barnes. And I'm Patrick Panigan. This is the HOB Football Podcast, signing off. La 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 Soka, soka Bring out the glass tables With the 707 now La 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 Oh, God, so...